Jesus said in Matthew 13, 43, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, Matthew 13, 10 through 16, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. A parable is akin to a word puzzle, and by using this technique, Jesus drew the hearers into something more than casual hearing. Those seeking God with hungry ears entered and enter into the revelation of God's hidden manna. Casual ears don't hear. Jesus said and uh, said to us in Luke eight eighteen, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. When we approach the word of God with awe and surrender, with ears bowed down, the revelation abounds. Dear visitor, are you yet to be born again, as Jesus states in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything changes today. You will participate in the greatest miracle man can know. Today, all your sins and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, no matter how formidable they appear. You will be free. Today, your ears will begin to hear. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. God said, Psalms 115, verse 16, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Man said, When I asked a young hitchhiker about Jesus Christ, he promptly informed me that he believed in evolution. When asked what evolution was, he responded, I don't know, but it's what my teacher said. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,128, that will for the 1,128th time 
contend for the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's handiwork be so ever apparent in all that you do. They always end up here. No matter how vociferously they object, they end up here at It Is Written. Their incessant search for life in outer space is an excellent example. God said, man said, it has addressed the Bible's position on this matter several times. The search for life in space is making headlines again, yet most are still blind to the obvious. In feature one of this short series, we made five salient points. One, there is life in outer space. Two, there are extraterrestrials here upon the earth, multitudes of them. Three, there is then the ultimate extraterrestrial. Four, extraterrestrials can be engaged in conversation. And five, special communicating tools have been made available. We discovered last week that in regard to planets in outer space that could sustain life, scientists have concluded that there is only one floating in space that fits the bill, and we are sitting on it. Today's cosmologists hope to find a planet out there that will support life, and they expect to find that life is evolving on it, just like they suppose it is here on Earth. For centuries, men have sought after these wizened and advanced extraterrestrials, but the only place they've managed to find them is Hollywood. Life surely exists in outer space, but it is not of the human kind. No, this life is glorious, marvelous, and eternal. God the Father and Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, and the Holy Ghost, the angels, cherubim, seraphim, and other celestial creatures reside in outer space. Consider that God's throne fills the heaven, and He props His feet up upon the earth. Isaiah 66, 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? It is an inherited thing. Man must find another way, and this dark desire began in Eden. Adam and Eve sought after other gods, little g-o-d. Genesis 3, 4, and 5 records the conversation between Satan and grandmother Eve, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The epigenetic tags are in place, and it's like mother, like daughter, like father, like son. Man will seek another way, no matter how ludicrous. The doctrine of evolution is a prime example. Evolution is the god of academia, and one of evolution's academic champion states that they cannot allow a divine foot in the door, which causes them to defend even the most absurd positions when needed. The god of the Bible cannot be allowed. The obvious reason for this is that God is light. First John chapter 1, verse 5, This then is the message when, uh, which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
When light enters the room, all darkness must jump out the window. It is not optional. Let's revisit the Fermi Paradox. The following paragraphs are from the quarterly number 4, 2016 issue of Creation Magazine. The feature was written by Gary Bates, CEO of Creation Ministries International, and it is titled The Fermi Paradox, subhead, If evolution really happened all over our universe, where is everybody? Bates writes, In the 1950s, Nobel Prize winner and pioneer of atomic energy, Enrico Fermi, while working at Los Alamos Nuclear Facility in New Mexico, raised some straightforward questions. Are we the only technologically advanced civilization in the universe? And if we are not, then where are they? Why haven't we seen any traces of extraterrestrial life, such as probes or transmissions? Why haven't we found their artifacts on Earth, as in our solar system? Fermi, not unreasonably based upon his evolutionary precepts, also suggested that intelligent aliens would be curious explorers just like us. In a 14-billion-year-old universe, he said, there should have been plenty of time for at least the very first advanced race to send starships to colonize planets. Even if the first colonizing expedition took millions of years, assuming numerous generations of explorers, the new colony once established, and the original civilization could then both send out another expedition apiece to colonize other planets, doubling the number of new colonies every million years. After 10 million years, there would be 1,023 alien colonies, and after 20 million years, there would be 1 million. At that rate, in 40 million years, there would be 1 trillion civilizations. After 14 billion years, the number of alien civilizations in the universe would be tripping over each other, and this overpopulation assumes the evolution of only one race of intelligent aliens. The problem would be compounded further if intelligent life had independently developed in more than one planetary system. There is a nagging problem for those who believe in the Big Bang and the evolution of life on Earth. Modern space agencies admit that they have so far failed to find any, even the slightest signs of intelligent life. As National Geographic magazine pointed out in an interview with SETI's senior astronomer Seth Shostak, he and his colleagues have never found proof that anyone or anything up there is trying to make contact, end of quotes. Fermi's questions were, are we the only technologically advanced civilization in the universe? If we are not, then where are they? Why haven't we seen any traces of extraterrestrial life, such as probes or transmissions? Why haven't we found their artifacts on Earth or in our solar system? The sons and daughters of God have the answers to all of Fermi's quarries, but this feature will focus on the search for artifacts. Oxford Dictionary defines artifacts as a product of prehistoric or aboriginal workmanship as distinguished from a similar object naturally produced. The evolutionists look for artifacts, a product of prehistoric workmanship that is not naturally produced. This is really low-hanging fruit in the battle between creation and evolution. And what's worse, the ungodly are serious. They search for artifacts left behind from extraterrestrial involvement. 
How about this? Psalms 19, 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Carnal science looks with blind eyes and listens with deaf ears for the artifacts that are ever so apparent to the children of God. Watch what happens when the Antichrist crowd is confronted with DNA, the building instructions of all life. The following paragraphs are from Dr. Grant Jeffrey's book, Creation. With today's population of approximately 6.3 billion, with one DNA molecule from each person, the genetic blueprint for every human on earth could now fit into one aspirin tablet. What are the odds that such an enormously complicated genetic code as DNA could have been formed by chance rather than by the purposeful creation by a divine, supernatural, intelligent God? Dr. George Howe, a botanist and biologist, has calculated the probability that the complex genetic information encoded within the DNA molecule would have been produced by chance over long periods of time. The chance that useful DNA molecules would develop without a designer are approximately zero. Then let me conclude by asking which came first, the DNA, which is essential for the synthesis of proteins, or the protein enzyme DNA polymerase, without which DNA synthesis is nil. There is virtually no chance that chemical letters would spontaneously produce coherent DNA in protein words. Dr. Michael Denton, a researcher in human molecular genetics, also wrote about the intricate protein synthesis apparatus that exists in everything that lives. It is astonishing to think that this remarkable piece of machinery, which possesses the ultimate capacity to construct every living thing that ever existed on Earth, from a giant redwood to the human brain, can construct all of its own components in a matter of minutes and weigh less than 10 to the 16th grams. It is of the order of several thousand million million times smaller than the smallest piece of functional machinery constructed by man. Sir Fred Hoyle, the famous astronomer and physicist, makes a very striking observation about the evolutionary theory of the accidental origin of life. In his book, The Intelligent Universe, Hoyle wrote, The chances that higher life forms might have emerged in this way, by coincidence, is comparable with the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein. Dr. Richard Lewontin, a prominent evolutionist from Harvard University, confesses to the fact that it is unyielding prejudice and bias against the supernatural that is the true motive that causes many scientists to reject special creation out of hand. He states, it is not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world, but on the contrary, that we are forced by our a priori adherence to natural causes, material causes, excuse me, to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute, 
so we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. In other words, it is not the evidence that forces scientists to insist on an evolutionary explanation for life. It is their strong prejudice against supernatural creation. American microbiologist Homer Jacobson wrote about the absolute impossibility that the multitude of materials and conditions could ever have come together to produce life without the intervention of supernatural design. He writes, The complete directions for the reproduction of plants, for energy and the extraction of parts from the current environment, for the growth sequence, and for the effect for mechanism translating instructions into growth, all had to be simultaneously present at that moment when life began. This combination of events has seemed an incredibly unlikely happenstance and has often been ascribed to divine intervention, end of quote. When confronted with the incredible enormity of the odds that life formed accidentally, even life from non-life, a biological event Lewis Pasteur proved impossible, evolutionists looked to extraterrestrials. The following passage is from Dr. Michael Gillen's book, Believing is Seeing. Richard Dawkins, evolutionary biologist emeritus at the University of Oxford, explains it this way. Nobody knows how it, life on Earth, got started. It could be that at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by, by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this planet. And that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe, end quote. And finally, concerning DNA, Jeffrey writes, Dr. Francis Crick, an atheist and co-discoverer of the structure of DNA, admitted that there is almost no possibility whatsoever that the very first life could have spontaneously generated from the inorganic chemicals that may have existed in the early Earth's atmosphere in surface water. As a result of his conclusion that life could never have spontaneously developed on Earth over billions of years, he was forced to develop an alternative theory to account for the existence of tremendously complex organisms found everywhere on Earth. Professor Crick wrote a book titled Life Itself, in which he explained his new theory that suggested that life was actually developed through evolution in some other galaxy and was then brought to Earth from outer space by means of alien starships or by solar winds. While such a theory is certainly imaginative, it's totally false. Dr. Crick acknowledges his theory has no evidence whatsoever to support it, but he prefers it to admitting that only a supernatural God could rationally account for the beginning of life, the existence of DNA, and all of the millions of species found on the earth today, end the quote. They're looking to extraterrestrials, to outer space, for their answers. Now, they're looking in the right direction, but have missed the ever-so-obvious. The extraterrestrial of all extraterrestrials, the Creator God, of course, They'd consider God, but remember, they cannot allow a divine foot in the door. Academics looks for artifacts that prove extraterrestrial involvement. Artifacts are ubiquitous from day unto day utterance speech to amazing DNA. Here are a few more for consideration. 
The God of all extraterrestrials and of all creation authored a book called the Holy Bible, comprised of 66 independent books, which were authored by God and penned by his holy men. This glorious book is the artifact supreme. The answers to all of life's questions are written on its inerrant pages. The answers to where we come from, why we are here, and where we are going after this life are clearly defined. The record of how God created the heaven and the earth, along with its marvelous life forms, has been noted. It's a literal owner's manual. It includes directions on how to eat, to work, and to stay healthy, instructions on how to socially interact, to live, and even to gain immortality in Christ Jesus. They're all penned on its pages. This book has been challenged and maligned by Satan and his champions for over 6,000 years, even untold millions of times, yet it stands undefeated, suffering not a scratch or even a mild abrasion. Looking for artifact of extraterrestrial involvement? The Holy Bible reigns supreme. Watch the supreme artifact at work in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. Until 20 or so years ago, evolutionists railed upon the biblical record of God's Adam and Eve. It was considered preposterous to imagine that a God created the first man out of dirt and called his name Adam. It was even more preposterous that this God would then take one of Adam's ribs to create the first woman, Eve, let alone that these two would be the father and mother of all humanity. Evolution's position was that life evolved from all over the earth, and there was no single father or mother of us all. That was the position until microbiology came along and knocked them on their ear. It is now known that all humans on the earth today can trace their lineage back to the same single father and mother. Science has dubbed the pair Y-chromosome Adam and MT-DNA Eve. Remember, by necessity, they always end up here. The supreme artifact, the Holy Bible, declares that nearly 4,000 years ago, God destroyed the earth which had fallen into deep wickedness by a global flood. To this day, academics mock the idea of Noah and the ark, yet there are marine fossils found on every mountain peak. Flood strata covers over three-quarters of the earth. Over 500 ancient non-biblical societal records tell of a devastating flood, and a literal host of other proofs shout yes to Noah. Looking for artifacts? The Bible is replete with them. You can see them everywhere. Once again, Oxford Dictionary's definition of artifact is a product of prehistoric or aboriginal workmanship as distinguished from a similar object naturally produced. Enrico Fermi is looking for the finger pricks, prints excuse me, of extraterrestrials in artifacts. God offers us his word, and it is so much more than just a fingerprint. No, through this glorious book, we enter into the very heart of God. Revelation 19.13 speaks of Jesus Christ, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Every book ever penned must bow before God's holy book, even as every knee must bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ the righteous. Some of the most glaringly obvious of supernatural extraterrestrial artifacts are the over 300 prophecies of Jesus Christ, hundreds and hundreds of years in advance of his birth, 
with the first prophecy occurring in the very Garden of Eden 6,000 years ago, these prophecies foretell, uh, foretell in detail the birth of this virgin-born Savior from his ministry of salvation and his hands and feet being pierced and nailed to Calvary's cross to his resurrection, ascension, and soon to come return. In his book, The Signature of God, Dr. Grant Jeffrey listed the amazing probabilities of any man making just 17 of these prophetic predictions and seeing them come to pass, the doctor writes. The question to consider is this. What are the chances that all 17 of these predictions occurred by chance rather than by the plan and will of God? The combined probability against these 17 predictions occurring is equal to one chance in 48 followed by 32 zeros. That's one chance in 4.8 trillion times 1 billion times 1 trillion, end of quote. The world looks for artifacts left by extraterrestrials, and the children of faith have surely found them. God is light, 1 John 1, 5. Everywhere we look, we see him. God is the breath of life, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. He is every breath we take. There is no place where his hand is not seen, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. God said, Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. God said, Psalms 115, verse 16, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Man said, when I asked a young hitchhiker about Jesus Christ, he promptly informed me that he believed in evolution. When asked what evolution was, he responded, I don't know, but it's what my teacher said. Now you have the record.